Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Tooele Happy Hour, where if head trauma had a podcast, it might sound like this. Here's your host, Jared Anderson, and me, David Weiss. Today's guest, the Two Red Pills. Ladies, you want to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Hi, I am Jen Orton. And I'm Sophie Anderson. Yes. And Welcome uh, to the show, ladies. This is uh, your second time on the show. You, you're returning guests. A lot has happened since the last time, like an audit, a very special audit. <laughs> I, I, I wish we could call it that and feel like it was. So, so Jen and Sophie, you are... Uh, I guess I would we call you activists in the terms of of voter fraud for local Utah elections. Would would that be a good way to explain what you do? Yeah, we're we're activists for any corruption. Actually, we got started um, not even with elections, but when we saw that we just didn't feel that things were getting enough done in the state and we weren't willing to take a chance on losing the data for 2020 and so sophie and i kind of shifted our focus a bit we were always a little bit involved in the elections but when we we really had to ramp it up to make sure that we could preserve the data and do some things that you know just to make sure that we didn't go through this debacle of 2020 again and here we are again um so doing that but so yeah we're activists for sure in against corruption i probably is the best way to put it right wouldn't you say sophie yes yes mm. you need more so yeah what came out of this uh so okay you guys were trying to preserve the election information was you were you able to get that preserved yes absolutely in fact you know we love doing utah shows because it's it's so local and it's like the people really know more about what we're talking about but sophie and i put up billboards across the entire state um in response to lieutenant governor henderson's billboards which i believe at least to some degree were in response to us where she put up billboards with taxpayer money by the way hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money with billboards that claim that utah's elections are secure and transparent now i don't believe anything's really secure about them except for their own jobs when they run their own election and they certainly aren't transparent for sure um we've got mounds of proof in court right now with them trying to stop us from getting any of the data so we kind of started this um response back to her response to us by putting up our own billboards, one of which read, hey, Lieutenant Governor, Utah needs, or no, Utah wants election integrity, not just election security. We also had one that said, secret coxbinations, awake to your awful situation, which is a play on the Book of Mormon terms for those who don't know it, the secret combinations. Um, and then we had a third one that talked about Utah being the number two most corrupt state in the nation. And uh, we got lots of favorable comments on that. Um, but again, with her, you know, spending 300,000, 500,000, the numbers I've heard are different, but we don't really need her billboards. We need our government to give us trust and truth and transparency, none of which the people have, in my opinion, at this moment. Well, it wasn't only billboards. It was radio commercials, too, because I remember I'm driving down the road and I'm always listening to Deidre tell us, like, in some sort of a mocking fashion, how secure our elections are and how silly people are to question them. And whenever I hear that commercial, I do always think of you two girls. <laughs> mm. 
Well, <laughs> we, we, for her to go to that level, I think where she's on, you know, I mean, there were ads on the internet playing with her. I'm like, you know, Steph, that's, that's not strategy to me. That's called panic. Don't you think Sophie, that was sheer panic. It, it just cracked me up because when in the history of Utah, have you ever seen billboards or ads claiming that our elections are beautiful, perfect, wonderful, nothing to look at? I mean, talk about her having to put out a response um, due to people questioning how our elections are run. I thought it was I thought it was awesome that she that she took the step to have to do that because she knows there's so many out here questioning how our elections are run. I think of like a billboard for for this. It, it would look like something like, you know, that face of Big Brother that they always put everywhere in the <laughs> Big Brother movie. And then below it would be like, your elections are secure. <laughs> exactly. What a joke. I mean, we were just talking earlier about our T-shirts. You know, Sophie's is give me 1776, not 1984. And mine says gold standard elections are the big lie. And that's exactly what they've been feeding us. It's called propaganda um, for the last several years. And the question, you know, we there's no answer we're going to accept on what happened that election, except for give us the data. I I don't want, you know, what you think. I don't I don't want to hear what they have to say. I don't want them to say trust me anymore. I don't even care that they've accused us of of ruining the republic. Um, that's another lie that they used you know, to spin these things it, until they show the the public the truth of this i we're we're going to keep on them for sure well, well as, oh go sorry on. well especially when you consider when you look around the nation and certain states that have actually been privy to a little bit of the election data i wouldn't say i mean the communists are very, very intent on not letting we the people get election data from any state. But there are a few states that they've pushed and pushed and, and have managed to get some of this data. And, you know, I think about Wisconsin with um, former uh, um, Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman, who he did an entire investigation to the Wisconsin 2020 elections. And by the end of that investigation, he even suggested, you know what, maybe to, there was so much fraud, maybe we should just decertify. Like, it's mm. it, it's unfixable, let's just decertify for the 20 well, was Yeah, that was one of his suggestions for them to choose from. And it's interesting because, do you guys remember Gallaud Maragani ran for Salt Lake County clerk? Um, he, he wanted an investigation into the elections. And I find it very interesting that Salt Lake County's County clerk's own employee, Amy Pitt, had posted publicly, and I'm going to read it to you right here. Mr. Maragani doesn't need to have performed an investigation. He's not an investigator. There have been multiple investigations nationwide in other states. I mean, as if as if what happens in another state is good enough for us here, right? Don't ask questions. The courts, she continues, the courts have consistently ruled that there's no voter fraud. All Gowd needs to do is acknowledge that. Instead, he refuses to do so because he is pandering to MAGA scum. We got a new title, Sophie. We are MAGA scum. MAGA that scum. I like it. Mm. I mean, this is the Salt Lake County Clerk's Office saying this stuff. And by the way, you know, her title was on, you know, on her um, profile up there. So I don't know if this was done in official capacity during work hours or not. There's a lot of questions to it. But to sit there and tell us that you know other states 
have been investigated. So we don't need to look into ours. I mean, like Sophie said, I mean, the, the Gableman thing, right? I mean, the biggest joke is, is Arizona. I mean, if I looked at other states, I would say we need to get an audit 10 times more. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I want to go back to what you said a minute ago that we're the second uh, best state. <laughs> so would the worst state be Arizona? Is that or <laughs> or what's the worst state? And then explain to me, I've got my own thoughts and opinions, but explain to everyone uh, what ranks us so uh, exceptional on the uh, honesty factor. Um, well, the number one state was actually Vermont, and it was a study done in 2021 by Best Life, and they looked at a variety of factors. Now, if we went with elections, I think hands down, we're going to put Arizona up there. We're going to put, um, you know, Wisconsin, Georgia, and I mean, given the fact that Governor Cox still calls himself governor, I think we might need to put Utah in there as well for big questionable states. But what they looked at was um, the public corruption convictions per capita they looked at the adverse action reports filed in the last 30 years, uh, medical malpractice, a swamp index score, which um, unfortunately Utah performed very well on, the state integrity score, another high score for Utah, and um, the corruption index score. You add those all together for Utah, and we came up with 94%. That's an A. We got an A in corruption in six different categories, not even including elections. Mm. Well, at least we're good at something. Well, we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to compete with those, uh, you know, I don't know, Central African countries, and maybe some of those Central and South American countries. You know, I mean, it, it's a competitive world out there. Well, we're competing with Canada too. <laughs> 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 do they still vote in canada well kind of like north korea i mean oh wow that's a bit far it is Castro you know what's Sun. um really interesting is sophie and i um we haven't really talked about this before but brigham young university has an a dedicated elections department with many phds from around the world and it did it and they i looked up their first papers and they're a bunch of liberals um, and, and, and again, this is an entire like faculty and staff dedicated to the studies of election is what it's called. And they get grants, they get funding. And one of their, their first two papers in 2010 studied Brazilian and Venezuelan elections. And mm -hmm. I just thought that was fascinating that right off the bat, you know, when when because I mean, we consider Venezuelan elections probably probably the most corrupt in so many ways in in the world at least in the top five right mm -hmm. and their first project and publication was to study how they did the elections back in 2010 i i find that fascinating mm. so who who sponsors and pay for this audit that we had here in utah well in reality us taxpayers pay for it right but it's put into the legislative um uh, budget. Um, and, uh, you know, it is so frustrating to me. I, I find it one of my life's missions to declare that what these, what they call audits here, um, are nothing like a true audit. I mean, it's a joke that they can even label it an audit. 
the fact is the second your ballot is removed from that envelope, no one has any way to verify that the way you voted is how it was calculated. And they're not willing to change it. They're totally fine with not giving us that right to verify our own vote. Yes. And so, I mean, if you're talking about this audit, what this audit basically does is it says, okay, these are the numbers the machines spit out. And we're just going to make sure that the numbers that the machines spit out and that we have ballots over here, let's just make sure those match up. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's it's not looking into how the vote was counted. And so, you know, we have our lieutenant governor up there saying, um, you know, how can anyone question our elections? We audit them. Well, the problem is it's a misnomer. I mean, what it basically is, they've created this system where the fox is guarding the hen house and our lieutenant governor. I don't know what's going on with her. I don't understand it. You know, she has talked about, let's follow the law, let's follow the law. And in every circumstance where Jen and I have tried to help her understand the law and help her understand that she needs to be following the law, she comes back with either trying to dismiss our lawsuits for the 2020 elections through the AG's office. She's done that two times. Um, and another really big one is, uh, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, former uh, representatives, uh, Steve Christiansen. Do you guys know him? Not familiar with him, but I've heard of him. Okay. He, he was, um, he's a patriot and, Mm. and was looking into the elections. Um, he was totally maligned and, and, um, they, they just threw him under the bus just for asking questions in the legislature about our elections. Um, we have internal memos of how our Lieutenant governor, um, and certain legislators in the legislature choose to talk about other legislators who ask questions about elections. And it's pretty disgusting. Anyway, he ended up resigning because the pressure and the, um, it was just so wrong how they were treating him. He felt he could be more powerful in other areas. Anyway, he requested for the voter rolls from the Lieutenant governor. And because he's a legislator, he's legally owed those voter rolls and she denied him. Well, then we have representative Phil Lyman. You guys are familiar with him, right? Yep, Phil. Phil requests the voter rolls, not just once, but twice. And she requests, I mean, she refused the voter rolls to Phil as well. And uh, I guess on the second uh, refusal um, or denial, she said, I quote, I'm not comfortable giving those to you. So now we learn that our lieutenant governor seems to maybe she just thinks like we follow the laws that we're comfortable with and those that we're not comfortable with. We don't follow. I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. So well, and go ahead. Did the auditors have access to these voter rolls? Um, so that's go ahead, Jen. Were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say. They did a little bit. Remember that this is not really what we call an audit. This is a 
fraud it in a sense. I mean, because there's no verification. Yes, they are bringing people in, but these people are state employees. So the government looked at what the government did and found the, the, government. the fox in the hen house. Like the so government did nothing before. wrong. Uh, the yeah. state pays them. You know, they're all they're all in together to make sure there's no risk to the state. Well, the the thing that's the riskiest to them is the truth coming out, right? So they're doing this audit slash fraud it. And I don't mean that the people who did it were malicious in any way. I just believe that the process that legislatively they put in place assured that there would not be full transparency. In other words, let's look at 1%, say we did our job and we have records of them even during the, uh, the, the, pandemic, them using telephones to call 10 people to do the canvas to certify results. Well, making 10 phone calls, did that even really happen? We have no way. I mean, they say it did. Um, you know, it, you get to that point where you're going, that's not really an audit. And, and that's, I think, the biggest thing to me is we want an independent person from the outside, an independent agency who is not a state employee, who does not have vested interest in covering for the, you know, the state's frailties. Now, they did find some things which were pretty amazing. Um, um, the first one is that, and again, this audit took place in December of 2022 is when we got the final report. Um, and one of the points is that a Utah's election controls, and this is exactly their wording, one of their findings, Utah's election controls mitigates the risk of fraud as long as they're used properly. Well, <laughs> duh, duh. So what is proper? And again, we have a, an administration here who seems to like to reinterpret the law according to their own wishes. It's proper to give us public records that they're denying us. And some of some of my election ones are still in court, by the way, Salt Lake County is suing me to prevent access. So they're like Sophie said, Steve Christiansen and especially Phil Lyman. Phil Lyman fought multiple times to try to get those voter rolls that by law he is allowed, but she's not comfortable. So to sit there and say that we can we can mitigate the risk for fraud if they're used properly, I dare say we're not using them properly then. Properly, you know, I think there, there's no fraud here. Well, how do you know you're not looking? Here's exactly. here's my big question. Um, it doesn't seem like there's enough of a ruckus in the general population to uh, to actually fight this. If if the if the general population all stood up and said to the governor and the lieutenant governor, well, maybe not because when they voted on legalization of marijuana. Our legislature ignored that. Uh, I don't know. I've I've often wondered if Utah isn't um, isn't selected for this uh, shadiness because of the heavy trusting Mormon population that kind of go along to get along. Yeah, I think that and their natural resources. And if we can go back historically, there was a huge public outcry in October of of what year was that sophie 2021 yes um where 800 to 1100 people showed up in person and online at the legislature to fight for their right to have an audit and what we got with this little you know semi-audit that we just you know read the first report on um wasn't what we asked for. It wasn't what Phil Lyman asked for in his House Bill 371. It was a stripped down, watered down, um, heavily 
uh, what is the word I'm looking for, Sophie? Um, heavily involved with the lieutenant governor. It was very orchestrated how the language on this bill was going to read. And it frankly, in my opinion, was a way to shut the people up and put them back to sleep. Fine, fine. We'll give you an audit. It's one that doesn't mean anything. It's with our own poor. But these are all the questions that really aren't being asked, except for Phil Lyman at the moment, who's an auditor himself. He's very, very alarmed at what he's seeing. So you weren't exactly. invited to the audit is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we weren't. And, um, you know, I was just laughing because the one of the points on the summary of the audit, just listen to this. Maybe it, it maybe it doesn't make you laugh as much as does us. But one of them is canvas ballot totals from Utah's 2022 primary election did not match those recorded in the central voter database. So. So when they did a canvas, was that them making calls? Or that is, well, I think, I think now they, they will call even a canvas, um, calls and maybe they go out to one or two houses, you know, and, uh, and even at that smaller number, it didn't match. <laughs> yes. Well, so, okay. Let's say if they, if they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to pick a, a a district or a county, or even we're going to even uh, canvas a a middle city neighborhood, you know, three hundred houses, and and ask them. Not going to ask them their name. Not going to write it. Just going to ask them, how did you vote? Take the take the summation of all of that information, put it in, and see if it has a rough reflection on what came out of that district that voting year. That I would call a canvas. But if they're if they're calling any less than I would say 400 houses in a known area, then they're not canvassing. Well, well and you, go ahead. Sorry. And, and you're right. You're right. But I think in my mind, it doesn't even matter how they're defining a canvas in their very own audit. It says it didn't match. The numbers didn't match. I mean, like, how do you defend that? Well, it's a percentage. And especially when we've had, like, there's been people who have done canvassing in St. George, you know, Spanish Fork, Cottonwood Heights, um, Weber County did their, uh, did a, a canvas up there. None of them came back saying things were good. Mm -hmm. They all came back saying there is a lot of problems. And the fact that we have this report, this is 98 pages of problems, you guys. This isn't one piece of paper that was put on, you know, out on an email. 98 pages of problems that they noted in the audit. And the only conclusion they came to was there was no fraud. 98 pages of problems of numbers not matching. And what's crazy about that too is we've got the willie billion story if you guys remember him down in saint george his his race was incredibly close razor thin he asks for an audit they do one percent and in that one percent of the audit he actually wins mm. according oh. to what they right and yes and the funniest part is deidre henderson got to pick which one percent yeah. were you know were audited so, so she wins. selected she selected the criteria yeah. Still yeah, he wins it, and they still don't give it to him. They're like, whatever, go away. You know, I this mean, this provides a valid point for carbon copies. Uh, like, I'm thinking if you had a carbon copy on the back of your voter bubble sheet 
and you you mail that one direction, and then you mail your voter form in Ooh. another. Wouldn't you have? That's a good idea. To... You have you have two recording offices. Yeah, much much like a, I better be quiet. I might get audited. Much like a blockchain voting recording would work, which is a constant argument. You know, um, that has been brought up in like most of the circles that Jen and I have been in our personal, like um, our personal opinion is we do not want to go to blockchain voting. Well, like, yeah, I get that argument like a lot. What I like about, here's the two things that I like about the ideas. One, it's recorded among so many nodes that not one person can physically get on there and corrupt it. Um, the the key to that obviously is writing the program for the actual voting for putting the information in. Number two, on a blockchain, there's no going to the lieutenant governor and begging to see the information. It'd right. be to where you can just log on and there's just uh, an outline of what was. There's no one on that side that gets to filter what you get to see. It's just laid out in front of you. That's a valid point that that really is. I think I think with what we've discovered and learned, um, Jen and I like the history of once you bring in any amount of tech or machines or software, like you're kind of writing a blank check for manipulation of our votes. And that that could be true. That could be true, but only if you cannot see the code to the software. That, it's open code. So it would have to be open source. That seems to be the big problem we have. Another issue we have is uh, paper ballots haven't always been honest either. I mean, you can go to uh, old Honest Abe's second re-election and read about what went on after that and the conversations after that. Oh, looks well, like Sophie, sure Sophie got a call. I, she'll get back on. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that this isn't part of, I mean, here's the problem. We can sit there and talk about, you know, where the, is it the machine? Is it whatever? But if there is no transparency in the results and there is no real audit, it doesn't matter where the problem I think really lies. Transparency has to be taken away from the public to pull this off. It has to. And the fact that Utah, particularly starting in the year 2020, stopped giving its citizens public records on elections for the first time when they've done this historically in the past have granted access to this information they suddenly stop doing that and say that it's against the law that everything's proprietary that everything has to be locked up everything has to be sealed after the canvas well that's one more reason why they probably want these canvases to be so short because the minute you um, finish the canvas, everything is sealed, never to be seen again. And that's part of what our lawsuit is fighting is that interpret their interpretation of the law. We read it differently. We understand it to be that the originals are sealed in case of a contest, not any copies or anything um, electronic report. So it should still be available. But um, a statistician did some data on it. This is very interesting for, for Utah. In three counties, it was Davis County, Utah County, and Salt Lake County, looked at the data on what was reported for state official data versus what the data was that was given to this committee when they asked for public records. And just like the canvas, 
guess what? The numbers didn't match. In other words, what the public record showed the actual numbers were, were significantly less than what was being reported. So we've got this slush fund or this bubble or whatever you want to call it, this cushion of votes that nobody can account for. And when Sophie was talking earlier about the voter rolls, one of the things that makes Utah unique um, is the fact that we have three categories of voter rolls. We have the, pro the public ones, which like they say, they're easy to be seen. That's about 58% of the, the voters in Utah. We have 24% make up the private. Those are people who have opted out so that their, their information is not shared with anybody uh, besides legislators or people in the need to know. And the third category that is unique to Utah is with uh, withheld. And that is a category for policemen, domestic abuse survivors, uh, very famous people who don't want their information out. I get that. I get that. My my problem with that category is that they're claiming 18% of the voters statewide fall in that category. It doesn't 18. make any sense. I believe that's where this slush fund is coming from. And the math that was done on the numbers that were made available available to us across those three counties, every single one of them had to have between 100% of all withheld people show up to vote to 117. In other words, mm. more people would have to show up than is mathematically possible to be in that category in order to get the numbers that they're reporting. Why didn't the, the audit show this? Why so, aren't we looking at this level? So maybe these are like people born without social security numbers in the basements of people's Mormon houses <laughs> in some ritual. <laughs> they're they're stretching the fish at the championship is what they're doing. I, I don't understand why it would be 18% for this withheld category because, I mean, something like that you should have to like uh, apply for that's, with a permit. That's one fifth. So when you put that together, what that looks like is only 58% of the voter rolls we have access to as well, the public. I, I want to so praise that that one-fifth of the population in those three counties for uh, being so diligent on voting when nobody else in the population can get it. If, as in Chicago, where Chicago gets their dead people to vote, I think we're quickly catching up. I, I, I think it's an honor and a privilege to know that in those three counties that they can really get the numbers out. Well, 117%. I'm kind of wondering if they're using genealogical I, records or something you to know, come up with. I don't know where they're coming from, it, but it doesn't make sense. Maybe they're voting at the local temple. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. 117%. Maybe by proxy. <laughs> you know, sure, sure. And... Let's face it, if they're celebrities, don't they deserve two votes? Some of them, maybe. Sure. Why not? But you know, my question is, I need... oh, no, go on. I'll ask this question at the very end. Okay. I was going to tell you, another finding um, was that some of the counties, this again is in Utah's audit. Listen to this one. Some of the counties' chain of custody practices make it difficult to account for all the ballots. <laughs> But there's no fraud. There's no chance of fraud, guys. This is a gold standard. This is this is the definition of gold standard elections right here. This the numbers don't match. Face. We can't have a chain of custody. We can't account for everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's comical if it wasn't so serious. 
Um, another point was that Utah lacks clear legal standards for election signature verification. One of the things uh, about this election signatures is you have a setting on those machines where you can turn it on so that it 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 um, accepts every signature no matter what, what it looks like. I'm Just not saying they that. Scribble. They have the option. And we know Salt Lake County has purchased and runs those particular specific machines where just with the flip of a switch, you can automatically verify signatures. We know those are run in Salt Lake County. What county so, are you guys in? Um, so I used to be in Salt Lake County and now I'm in Davis County. Okay. You're in, Davis, I'm in Salt Lake and you're in Salt Lake. In Draper. So you guys are in some of the honest counties that gets the, the diligent counties, I think we should call it the counties that strive for uh, uh, patriots to show all of them 117% to show up. <laughs> How does Willa County fare on this? Tooele County, did you say? Yeah, Tooele. How does it fare on this, uh, on this leisure? Does it come out clean or dusty or just rolling in the mud? Well, this is the whole problem. And this is why we have a lawsuit going without the data that we are legally owned and has been given in the past, you know, like Jen and I, Jen mentioned, we have this lawsuit to protect the 2020 elections, but we don't only want to protect it. We want to be able to see it because if they're so sure they're running gold standard elections don't they want to prove that they are to us? Oh, um, well, I, it's thieves never have the best locks on their doors. and <laughs> Exactly. And, you there. know, the burden of proof is on them. And so the problem is because we're being denied this data that in the past has been given, um, I mean, even right in Salt Lake County, the ballot images were given over after a lawsuit. And so it's just, it's laughable to us that now the Lieutenant Governor thinks that all of a sudden, because 2020 and people are on to the fraud and on to what the stealing of elections, that all of a sudden the people can't have access to this stuff because she knows that we know that she knows that with this data, we can undeniably prove what happened in our elections. And so going back to Tooele, the problem is the counties have been threatened by our Lieutenant Governor to give over any of this data. And so I can't really tell you exactly where Tooele stands because we're being denied our rights to see election data. And, and Sophie brought up a good point there. I mean, these threats are very real. The Lieutenant Governor's office did, uh, and we have firsthand accounts of people telling us in the county saying, we were threatened if we gave you any data at all, we believe you should have it. In fact, um, Bill Lee, that amazing, amazing patriot from Utah County Commissioner there, he asked for the cast vote records election data um, so that he could actually verify and certify his own elections there. I mean, and that's one of his duties as a commissioner. He was told he couldn't have it, which is very ironic because um, we were denied when we asked this. And I'm thinking, do you guys see the point now why this data is so important for the public to have it? Because if you now have a, in this lawsuit where the Lieutenant Governor is saying nobody can have it, how do you really do your job to certify an election if you, you're not allowed to look at the data either. We've put ourselves in this perfect black hole 
Um, and the threats are real. Again, we've uh, we've heard from several sources that Governor Cox, behind a closed door meeting, has threatened any legislators that even bring up election fraud. We know that um, very likely in response to my project bat- backup database request, because it was you know within just days after that, um, Governor Cox puts out a statement saying that people who question the elections are playing a very dangerous game. We have the Lieutenant Governor admitting to sending the FBI after people. I have had the FBI copied on responses back to me from counties about my public records request for elections. Um, we have communications about Sophie and I with the Department of Homeland Security and the you know Department of um, uh, Public Safety keeping an eye on us, you know, in case there's a threat. And it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, the threat is not the people who are asking questions is the people who are silencing the people's ability to ask questions and they don't they don't see it that way here's one thing i get confused about we got a couple of listeners that are uh left of center they're not quite you know hard left but when we talk about stuff like this they're like oh my god why are you covering this this you know it's stupid but and and they are openly democrats and i don't i personally don't call democrats communists because i choose not to muddy that word uh i want communists and fascists to actually be what they are and i just don't like using stupid terms you know that's me who calls them communists because uh, if i call any democrat a communist when a real communist shows up no one will recognize what i'm saying I like I to be clear yeah. with my language, but I want to ask them if you're a Democrat, isn't a part of democracy verifying votes, whether you win or lose. And I would like to see that. And it, it was, it was before, you know, it's so funny. Um, through these public records requests for the entire nation for different states. I mean, we've got, we've got thousands and thousands of pages of public records for every state that exists. And um, it's, it's so fascinating to read um, before 2016, it was the Democrats who were pushing that the machines are, they're a problem. We got to get rid of the machines. Yes, They're it was. Mis- you know, but then the are- Democrats leaned into it, and I'm worried the Republicans are are reeling back so far because they're here. They're not going anywhere. I just I'm going to lay this out right now. Unless we go to war against our own government, those machines are going nowhere. That's a you can drop the biggest period you want at the end of that. They're not going anywhere. The Republicans need to do what the Democrats did and lean into it. We need to, uh, not we, I'm not a Republican. I'm something different. But the Dem- the Republicans need to vote harvest. The Republicans need to put out the message that if you get a mail-in ballot, you you vote. You take a picture of it. You record it. They need to lean into that. Because if the Republicans keep reeling back, say, oh, this is wrong. Don't do it. Go vote in person. How'd that work in Arizona? Oh, wouldn't you know our machine didn't work today? Or, you know, hey, sorry about the wait. And then half the people go home. The Republicans need to fight it. They need to fight it with the tools they have. Because you're not going to win a war 
if you show up with a soap in a sock when they've got firearms. I can see your point for sure. And it's so frustrating. I, I just want to, yeah, I see your point. I do believe that what happened in Arizona has lit a fire under anyone that was slightly unsure that our elections mm -hmm. are being stolen. And so I actually view what happened in Arizona as a gift because after that happened, I've had people from all over the country message me and say, I can't believe this is really happening. Like there was evidence, but I never really saw that it was this orchestrated, um, premeditated evil plan. And so I don't know. I, I see it. I see it maybe a little different. I agree, but how do you stop it? Because those machines are here. Now, the That's Democrats fought this for years. You can go back to 2001, and they were fighting this, mm -hmm. especially in 2004. Big fight over this. 2000, huge fight over this. But Let's then the it. Democrats oh, leaned in. The Democrats leaned in. And let's say just in the rhetoric of 2016, let's say that there was no chicanery going on except for delaying people on the in-person voting and making that more complicated. But the Democrats would go to an apartment building and go door to door and say, have you voted yet? Did you get your ballot? Fill it out, mail it in. That still gives them an edge where Republicans say, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Right. Republicans need to lean into it. The Democrats learned a lesson and they learned it hard. The Republicans need to now lean into it. And the only way that we could possibly get this change is if we get an honest Republican to command the Senate and the Congress. Forget about the president. That's a bullshit office anyway. But you got to have the Senate and the Congress. Well, it's interesting that um, when Sophie and I were digging into a lot of this stuff in, in history, we're, now that we're going backwards and talking about things in the past, um, a lot of people don't realize that Utah had its own whistleblower in 2006 right here. Um, his name is Bruce Funk. He was the county clerk in Emory County. When he got the machines, he told uh, they were forced by Governor Herbert, Lieutenant Governor at the time, to um, take these machines. They were sold as new. And when this gentleman, who is a friend of ours, by the way, we have grown to really love and respect this man. He's in his 80s now. I think he just Well, his last 80s. name's Funk. How are you not going to love that man? I know. <laughs> Funky town. Um, he is the coolest dude. And his wife is equally supportive. They are amazing people. Down in little old, you know, Emory County, he, he bless his heart. He sees these machines. Again, this is 2005 going on. He starts looking into it. He's like, wait, why are these memory cards a little different? Wait, wait, how come, you know, there's different free memory. He finds data on these. He ships it out to uh, Black Box Voting at the time and said, look, can you, you know, have somebody kind of look at these machines? He found Chinese passwords on there, um, tons of stuff. I mean, a, a, a huge report on the vulnerabilities of these machines that are floating in Utah. They ended up coming from California. They were, they were machines that California had bought and decertified the machines were so bad in 2005 california decertified them shipped them to utah uh through the vendor as new machines and like i said this hero bruce funk figures this out 
takes, you know, gets these machines looked at. And there are pages of things that he found. The machine's able to turn itself on and on. And there, you know, a credit card, a credit card little slider reader is able to be slid in there, which can change all the votes thereafter. You could actually put a, a machine uh, program on there to do it. I, I, he gave it to me, actually. I, it's amazing. This little tiny thing that someone in front of you, all you got to do is slide it in and everything behind you changes the outcome of the election. And anyway, he ends up getting fired. He brings this to, to the oh, attention yeah. of our governor and the lieutenant governor. John, John Huntsman takes his private plane, flies out the Diebold uh, machine vendors, uh, equivalent today of ESNS or Dominion, like that, mm -hmm. flies them down to a closed door meeting where Bruce Funk was not allowed to attend, and he gets fired. And when when he had brought this to the attention of the Lieutenant Governor Herbert back then, his office's reply was, "Yeah, and." And I feel like that's the same response we're getting today. Oh Governor, yeah, of course. Data. Of course, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to get changed through the government we have on station just through activism and any of that. We're not, because both parties are aligned on this. You think the Republicans honestly care? You know, let, let's face it. Anyone, okay, 98% of our congressmen sitting in Congress right now are perfectly happy to see the government grow and get more expensive every year. You got one or two in there that fight against it. And that's it. Everyone else. Right now, this McCarthy vote that's going on, the sham, you read about what they're demanding. It all sounds sensible. You know, we reached out to our congressman, asked him about it. He's like, oh, no, they're just, you know, you know, they're, what did he say? Um, but regardless what they're asking for is sensible stuff they don't care remember we're just chattel that's it so the only way we're going to get that changed is probably a little more loud maybe even worst case scenario a little more violent i don't i don't know i don't know what we're going to do Way to ruin a show, Jared. I know. I brought it Jeez. down. This is hell beer. Mm. By the way, our beer, it's from hell. This well, one's the, from hell. The first one was, uh, we're drinking the holiday sampler from, God, I don't know where. It's all German beers. See? All of it. At least it's not the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't do well with Kool-Aid. Good stuff, though. Unless you can put Thank you, some, Germany. some good stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. what. What do we? How do we change this? Because right now you keep button up, button up against a lieutenant governor, a governor, and a Utah court system that doesn't care. Well, you know who else doesn't care is the people. And that's the question. As long as the people don't care, you know, we may as well. Hell, I mean, you know. Let's switch over, go with monarchy, Magna Carta is no more, who cares? You know, hail the king and queen and, and let them, I mean, why can't Cox hand this role of leadership down to his kids? You know, just keep it going. That, or we've got to find a different way to fight for it. The only other way we can fight for it is if 
we can convince we can get people elected in there and that's why at least right now until it's changed you're going to have to push like the democrats did to lean into this voting hbo made a whole documentary in like 2003 about this about the democrat argument what was it black box or something like that a whole documentary about it and that was the democrat saying this this machine recorded voting is corrupt and hanging chads and whatever else i think if if you're uh if the republicans want to have even a voice anymore they're going to have to lean into it they're going to have to say we've got to change our message we've got to make it so that our people vote we got to use their tools against them and once you take something over then laws can be written but right now you know lieutenant governor and governor doesn't care the the courts don't care the government doesn't care the government doesn't want to go in there and say hey yeah the government screwed up you know they're just going to keep saying look we looked at ourselves and we're beautiful it's true it's true i think i think we've just made it our mission to expose i agree and 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 educate as much as we can and just hope that eventually enough people wake up to our awful situation and we do something about it there and Um, that's what you do about it you've got to get them to switch over who sits in those offices yes and and i feel so bad jen and i are late for a call but i think i just wanted to say you know um phil lyman he had his bill, his election bill, last legislative session. It was called 371. Um, his new bill that is unfortunately very much watered down because, like you said, the lieutenant governor, the governor, the legislature, they 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 know they are in control. They hold all the power. And so to get laws actually passed, you have to concede. And it's it's disgusting, but this new bill he has is all about the third party, third independent party auditing our elections. That's all it's about. It's not adding like no mail-in voting, which we really need. I mean, that's how the whole steal is is perpetrated. But anyway, so I think would that the be last- like would that be like contracting like a a legal firm to come in and audit it or yeah. uh, an, an accounting firm would probably be perfect yeah. for that. Yes. Not it, to mention um, they it, won't be get out accountants. They won't get interrupted. No one wants to talk to accountants. Man. <laughs> or you to so I think Jen and I just want to end with um, that's going to be coming up. The session starts on the 17th and when Phil's bill comes to committee, we need hundreds to show up. I I know from not only firsthand experience, but people that are very in the know that the those legislators that sit in those committee meetings, when a lot of people show up, they feel the pressure. They feel the pressure with their vote um, to get those bills out of committee. And so um, we're just hoping we can get enough support and people understand how incredibly important Phil's bill is. Do writing them letters, making phone calls, does that stuff work as well? I've, we've heard that texts are most 
effective, but even more effective is you show up, be a warm body. That's the hard part. I mean, showing up is that's the hard. I mean, people have jobs and gas work. Yeah. I I mean, you know, and they do, they do. I'm just saying if people, if people understand the importance, um, hopefully some would be able to make the sacrifice. Well, and I'm also hoping that I, I know this may not work for everybody, but show up and talk to your representative in person if you can schedule an appointment or make a phone call when it's not the day of the vote. You know, the the, the more time they have to know where their constituents stand, I think the better odds we have of at least bringing up the crucial point so that they have time to look into it if they're willing to or something. But just, I think, you know, showing up at the moment, a lot of the time these guys have their minds made up ahead of time. So yeah, if you want to send an email, I don't know if they read them. Texts I've heard as well are are great. But again, if you can get that personal relationship or even if it's a 30 second call or even a voicemail, I mean, I'm hoping something like that that can go a long ways, especially if you plan ahead. I do know that that works. we we talked to our old uh, our old uh, state senator when it was up for constitutional carry, and he was totally against it. We laid out the facts right here on the show with him. You know, That's we awesome. brought him up and laid him out, and he ended up voting yes. And our other uh, representative that wouldn't come talk to us still voted no, but <laughs> he wouldn't come talk to us. That's awesome. Well, um, I, guys, we're so yeah. sorry. We've to um, get on this. I dig what you're doing. Uh, Keep it up. Um, You're welcome anytime. Let us know how we can help. Sorry for my bummer rhetoric, but I'm a fucking friend. Hey, we love the reality. We got to deal in reality so we can do something about it. So we appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, there's got to be more fire under people's butts. We can't rely on a leader. We can't rely on a person. We can't rely on a media show to do this for us. You know, you either have to decide if you want freedom, and if so, you're going to have to do something. And if you're willing to sit back, then I I dare I say just move out of the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of places you can go if you don't care about freedom, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, opens up the doors for you. you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, everyone, we will be back on in a few in, minutes. In a few minutes. Yep, we got Chad Saunders coming on. He is a uh, he, he's a member who serves on the GOP State Central Committee, and he's going to talk to us about flag stuff. So flag stand stuff. by.